Hello, everybody, and welcome again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show, where we help entrepreneurs and small business owners win at the game of business and marketing. My name is Adam Homie. I'm your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to join us today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have entrepreneurs, small business owners, and local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches. And then we have the folks who help others build their businesses and the do-it-yourselfers who like to have your own hands on the levers. If you are one or more of the above, please take a moment, explore episodes, and discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also check us out on iTunes. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated, helps us help more business creators just like you. And fresh content is added every single week, and we have over 115 episodes since we launched the Business Creators Radio Show. Make sure to subscribe to have this spoon-fed directly into your iTunes. Today, we are going to have a topic that I have been looking forward to for weeks now. Dave Otez of the Business Creators Radio Show will remember that on December 15th, we had Carrie Heaps of StrictlyMarketingMagazine.com share with us follow-up tips that make sense. And towards the end of that call, we recognized we had so much more to say than we could possibly contain inside one hour of Business Creators Radio Show Brilliance. So I'm honored that Carrie was willing to come back and join us again, and not only to come back and join us again, but to do so so soon. So, Carrie Heaps, welcome back. Thank you, Adam. It's wonderful to be back with everyone and excited to talk about these topics today. I'm going to remind everybody of who Carrie is, just for those who may not have had a chance to check out the first episode yet. Carrie Heaps is the founder and president of Carrie's Network Incorporated, which is a marketing organization that provides business-to-business marketing services. She's also the host of Strictly Marketing Talk Radio and the publisher of Strictly Marketing Magazine. This magazine has recently spun off an online community for strictly women in marketing, for women, and part ownership and other businesses in the fashion and beauty industry. Her passion is to help other entrepreneurs with their marketing efforts to continue their dream of running a successful business. Carrie's story, for those of you who remember from last time, starts in the spring of 2005 working in the corporate world as a recruiter. And she spent a lot of time in networking functions and participating and pulling them together for other organizations. So, as Carrie herself has said, it's a lot of work putting together events, and she thought to herself, this is what she said, if I'm going to do this, I should do it for myself. I was working part-time to save money to start my image consulting firm, so I figured this would be a great way to add in some revenue while the business gets up and running. So, Carrie left her corporate job in the fall and started getting business owners together at a local bookstore cafe. Sounds like my idea of a wild Friday night, personally. Carrie goes on to say, I still remember my final, or excuse me, my first Monday after I left my job. I got up that morning and thought, what have I done? Although there's been a lot of bumps in the road, I don't regret my decision one bit. My passion is helping others succeed in their marketing efforts. I know how scary it can be to start a business, and no one should feel alone on their journey. 
Carrie's company currently specializes in marketing with the magazine, talk show, radio program, and online community for women in marketing. Uh, we could go on and on and on and on, but let me just pull out a few more things about Carrie because we actually have to let her speak at some point in the next hour here. Uh, she's a former model who uh, specialized in trade show and print work. She's also an experienced judge on the beauty pageant circuit, and she's a contributing writer for many online magazines, including DivineCaroline.com, Women'sCO.com, and Women'sProspects.com. Carrie has interviewed celebrities such as Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show, um, and also these other people. Um, I don't know who these people are. Maybe you can tell me who. Barbara Corcoran, Larry Wingett, uh, Kim Parrish. I, don't, I mean, what are they, entrepreneurial beginners? I mean, what are they? No, I'm just kidding. Seriously, I think it's awesome <laughs> that you've had Barbara Corcoran. She's one of my personal role models. And Larry Wingett was a guest on the Business Creators Radio Show, and we had an absolute blast with Larry, for those of us who have been with us for a while. So Carrie has very, yeah. very nice plate of guests on her radio and, show, and you need to check it out. Yeah, and Larry, actually, it was, it's funny because I've actually interviewed Larry twice. Um, he came on my show a long time ago uh, to talk about Shut Up, Stop Whining, and Get a Life. Yep. And then I think it was the next edition of that book that came out. They reached out to us and said we'd like to come back on the show to talk about the, you know, the new edition, uh, which, of course, I gladly welcomed him back. But he is a fabulous uh, person to interview and very funny, very comical. I know some people that are a little bit scared of Larry because he can come across in some of his interviews and the way he presents himself as being somewhat intimidating. But you know what the funny thing is? He's one of the most down-to-earth people we've ever interviewed. He, he was a is, cinch. And cinch. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, most people are because he doesn't sugarcoat anything. Right. Um, and he's, he's very blunt about that, But you know, it, which is a lot of people because we've become so thin-skinned anymore that you know, people are afraid of, gosh, I don't want to say something and he's going to yell at me. Uh, but he's, he's just he's not like that. Um, you know, he, he tells you, like, you know, you need to hear it. And uh, I, I'm a huge fan of Larry. So, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun being able to interview him. And I had the privilege of, of being able to do that twice. All I have to do is log into Facebook and say, goodness gracious, these people need to grow a pair. I mean, come on. I mean, this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You're right. You're right. The bite marks in my tongue go so deep, my teeth almost meet each other some days. <laughs> it's, 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 I've been seeing some of those posts. I know what you're talking uh -huh. about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Carrie, we last interviewed you on follow-up techniques, and we wanted to get a few more tips on what kind of kind Excuse me, what type of system is most effective if you create your own follow-up system? There's a little bit more we wanted to cover before we had to break off last time. Absolutely, and I'm glad that we had an opportunity to do that because you were right. We could have gone on and on and on about follow-up. Um, but as far as the, you know, the types of systems that seem to be most effective, you know, what I would tell the listeners is you really have to create a system that's going to work for you. Um, I am different, you know, like I, we said on, on the last time uh, we were on the show, is that I do a lot of things very old school. Um, I keep track of things in a manual way, uh, just with, you know, a notebook and, you know, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. And if that works for you, great. But some people, they like to do things online. They want a system that's more advanced that, you know, they can utilize and, you know, have it, have everything online and be able to run reports. And 
and that's okay too. So, you know, if you're going to use a system like that, Salesforce, Zoho is another good one. I mean, obviously these are systems that you will have to pay for. Uh, you can also create your own uh, uh, little follow-up system in Excel, or even, you know, for those of you who know how to use it, Access is another uh, great program, Microsoft Access, but that does require quite a bit of training uh, if you have not used it before because you do have to create your own database. Um, creating something, you know, just even something manual, uh, for example, like the binders that I use, um, you know, you, you have the actual business card, you can staple it to a page, keep track of how often you're, you're reaching out to a prospect, you can look at the dates, you can come up with your own little keywords like left voicemail, LVM, or uh, busy, for, you know, just B for busy signal, or right. NA for not available, or no answer. So you can keep track of those manually. So you really have to figure out which one you're more comfortable with. I personally like the manual system, and I do, you know, for our clients that we work with, with Knockout Marketing, we put everything in Excel so they can use it too. And another thing I would tell people is, you know, whether you do this online or you do it manually, color coding is a big thing. And the reason I say that is because Colors will catch your eye, and you can, you can color code in Excel, you can color code, you know, get a pack of markers from the dollar store, and color code pages. And what do I mean by color coding? Well, let's just say you're keeping track of all of these prospects, you, you, people you've met with, whether it's through a networking function, you met one-on-one, -on -one, or, or you've done both, and you're continually, uh, you know, keeping them in your pipeline. You can color code those. I personally, what I do with green is if I highlight something in green, that means that person is a client now. Uh, they're a paying client. They're on board with us. There's no reason for me to really, uh, you know, refer back to that particular lead. Um, I use yellow for I, they've requested information. So that way, when I'm following, when I'm looking at a, a specific list and I'm looking at who do I need to follow up with first this week, I can go back and I can see who all is marked in yellow and then I can look at uh, the, those particular notes and you can do this in Excel too. You can have one entire cell filled with notes and I do the same thing I would do manually. I would just put, you know, voice, if I got voicemail, just VM and then you know, a forward slash for the next time I try to reach out to that person out on vacation. So you can put in those notes. So you, you right. know, okay, I need to follow up with this prospect. Let's see what was the last thing that happened, you know. So you need to keep some detailed notes in there. And, again, it doesn't have to be fancy, whatever you feel comfortable with. So yellow, I always know that that's something I need to go back to and follow up with them immediately that week. And, you know, if I haven't been able to get a hold of them, I still continue to, you know, call in throughout the week. And, again, we're, I'm talking on more of a business-to-business -business type level as right. far as the frequency is concerned. And then orange would be something that I talked to the prospect and they said, look, we are going to be in the market for this, but not right now. Call me in November because that's when we're going to start looking. And, or December. And here it is, it's December. So I know orange and yellow, those are the two colors I need to, you know, continually chase after them and call in there a little bit more frequently frequently. And then the rest of the uh, leads, I just kind of leave, I, I don't color code those because we're still trying to reach them. We're tr still trying to get them on the phone. Right. Um, you know, you will find that when you go back and you use some type of color coding system like that, and then I do use red or hot pink for not interested. 
meaning I've talked to that prospect, it's just not a good fit, they don't feel like it's going to fit in with the company. So I mark those in red. If you do this in an Excel spreadsheet, Adam, and let's just say you have 100 leads on that Excel spreadsheet that you've been calling through, after about a week or so, you know, if you really, you know, look at your spreadsheet, you're going to see a variety of different colors. You're going right. to see all of your notes up, all of the updated information, and it gives you an idea of, okay, I can see where I'm making progress because I have, um, you know, six people that are shaded in green. So I got six sales out of this uh, particular but you know batch of leads and then the ones you'll see a lot more that will be in red or, or hot pink and i'm talking about myself because obviously you're going to have more people who are not interested than are interested but you can kind of get an idea and feel for okay here's 100 leads so out of these 100 so far i've gotten six sales and you know then you also want to keep track of your numbers which is something we're going to talk about today and then the last thing i would tell people with the color coding is those leads that are in red never throw those away what you should do is, you know, at the beginning, like at, on a six-month mark, like maybe in June, or and then do it again in December. Um, go through those leads. Look at the, uh, you know, the last thing that they said. Now, if they tell you, put us on your do not call list or never call us again, which you will get that from time to time with a business, but it's very rare, I, and I, I can tell you that from experience. So if there's a DNC or do not call, of course, don't call back in. Respect that. But if they just, you know, if they told you it's, it's not interested, it's been marked not interested for whatever reason, what I do every six months is I still go through and I call those leads. Right. And what I do is I call in and I try to find out, you know, is, uh, if it's Charlie Smith, you know, is Charlie Smith available? And the receptionist says, oh, just one moment. By the time she transfers me, I hang up because I know Charlie's still there. He's not interested. So I right. don't need to talk to him again. However, if I call in, and, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am, Charlie Smith is no longer with the company. Uh, Neil Newman took his place. Okay, great. Can I speak with Neil? So now I have a brand new prospect that I can follow up with and a brand new, I can basically regenerate and recycle that lead. So you never want to throw those away, like tear them out of the notebook or delete them out of Excel. Keep them there. And you would be surprised. I've had several leads that that has happened to, and you, they filter back through, and they turn into appointments for the, you know, for the clients that we work with. Um, and even myself personally, I've had them turn into sales later on down the road. So you have to kind of create that system that's going to work for you. What works for me might not work for you because you might be more technically inclined than I am um, or, or more or, you know, apt to use some type of software program, but everyone's different. You need to figure out what's going to work best for you. The point I want to bring out that just struck me as you were saying that last thing about how you recycle the leads, where if you find that there's a new person in that position, you reach out to them because you can start all over again, is how many decisions in business are based purely on the idiosyncrasies of the person who has the power to either make the decision or even let the conversation happen? Well, I find personally with, well, specifically with the companies that I work with, and again, I think every type of business is different, but when you're dealing with uh, the clients that I have, they're wanting to reach the top of the ladder. They want the CEO. They want the CFO. You know, now if I speak with the CFO and they tell me, look, I don't handle that, our controller so-and-so does that, you need to talk to him because I don't, this isn't done at this level. And they 
throw me down the rung a couple of times, which is fine, you know, because that way I, when I get that person on the phone, I always tell them, oh, I spoke with so-and-so, the CFO. He told me to call you that you were the person I needed to speak with. I have their attention immediately because that's their boss. So uh, usually I find that nine times out of ten, the people that they refer me to, that is where you at least need to start, um, in the, especially in the larger organizations. Now, there's going to be some that, you know, some of the smaller companies that, you know, you might, what I find too, like the receptionist sometimes, you might call into a company and, and you'll ask for a certain person and they'll say, oh, well, you know, they don't handle it might be benefits or something like that. So-and-so does, and they'll try to get me to go over to the HR person. But it's kind of the same thing. If, if the receptionist tells me that, I just sort of, okay, whatever, and I just ignore that and, you know, call back in another day. Um, but usually um, if it's coming from a higher level, the, that is going to be the decision maker. You're going to have to start there because if the CFO tells you that and then you continue to call the CFO, that sets a really bad tone. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. Couldn't wouldn't have it any other way. So uh, if you could offer one piece of advice, because we have to get into this cold calling thing here. If you could offer one piece of advice regarding follow-up for people to implement today, what would that be? Um, I would say one piece of, of advice that I would give to everybody would be be persistent. Um, you have to – I find it's – and I think the statistics are about 60% of sales are lost due to lack of follow-up. So be persistent. Don't, you know, don't give up. I mean, if, you, you know, if you've called into a company 40 times and you haven't been able to get the decision maker back on the phone um, and maybe you sent them an email or two, you can't get them, don't give up. Still continue to call in. You know, call in until you get them. You, know, you need to get them to say no to you. So be persistent. Even one of my current clients that I have that you know, they deal specifically with 401K management for larger companies, so yeah. getting those types of decision makers on the phone is extremely difficult. Um, but they shared with me uh, not too long ago a particular story about one of the, the leads that actually just closed for them that they're making a ton of money off of. It, it's a huge client. And it took them, I think they said about, it was about a year and a half from the initial call that I made into the company to get them an appointment. Sure to go in there and meet, to finally getting a signed contract one, yeah. one and a half years later. But it was well worth it, obviously. I mean, it's a huge company. So you have to be persistent. That would be, that's what it's all about. Follow up, you, you have to follow up and just be persistent. Great. Uh, now let's get into this cold calling thing. Um, how does it fit into today's marketing and sales landscape? And is it really effective? I keep hearing about the death of cold calling. Is cold calling dead or alive? Mm -hmm. It is alive and well and kicking, and uh, we have a division of our company to prove it, Knockout Marketing. Um, it is definitely um, – it definitely fits in today's marketing and sales landscape, but it just – it fits in in a different way. And what I mean by that is that, you know, in order for it to be effective, you have to have a plan. Um, you know, I see so many people, you know, we talked about this before who are, you know, going out there and they're like, oh, I get all my sales online, or maybe they all come through referral. And I don't really buy into that 100%. I'm sure that they're doing some type of advertising, some type of, of cold calling, they're doing something else to bring business in. But 
it, it really just depends too on the type of product or service that you have as to how you would utilize that. Because if you are in the business to consumer industry, you have to approach cold calling differently. You are legally obligated to do that, you know, because you're calling consumers. So, you know, you have to be very careful about how you approach that, how you do that. And, you know, when it's business to business, obviously it's, it's very different too, but it's also different as to what, you know, type of business and, and how you're going to create that game plan. But it can fit in very well. Um, you know, the, the goal of cold calling, you know, specifically, and the goal of any kind of marketing or sales is to ultimately obtain a new client, have a paying client. And I think a lot of people make the mistake of thinking with cold calling that they're going to call in, they're going to talk to the person over the phone, and it's going to be, where have you been all my life? You're exactly what our company needs. Here's my credit card number. And no, it does not work that way. Um, so it's really, you know, setting up your expectations and coming up with a really good plan of how you're going to tackle cold calling and how that's going to fit into your sales and marketing for your business. Right. Uh, and you're very correct that there is a difference between consumer cold calling and business cold calling. So if you could just tell us a little bit more about those differences, that would be, I think, helpful to us. Well, sure. Um, definitely. The differences with, you know, with cold calling, obviously, if you're uh, business to business, you have a lot more leeway, you know, like we had talked about before. If you are calling, you know, I have, I could pull up tons of our leads, lead list for our, our different clients that we have, and I could look at it, the notes of any one of them and start counting and see anywhere from, you know, 40 to 60 dials that were made and, and you know, the voicemail was there, no answer, they were out of the office or on vacation. So with that being said, you know, calling into a company uh, once a day is not a big deal. Calling a consumer once a day is, or more than once a day, is a huge deal. I mean, if you called them every single day, and, you know, unfortunately, people who are consumers, which, you know, a lot of people do this. I don't because I don't have the time to do this, but a lot of people will come home from work and they filter through their caller ID to see who called them. And if they see the same number popping up and it's your number, they're going to get annoyed. You know, they might call back just to see if it's a business or if it's a residence or who is it that's trying to call them. And, you know, they don't, they don't want that. And two, from a legal standpoint, what I would recommend to people who do sell to consumers is to check out uh, the Federal Trade Commission's website. They have a whole division set up on, uh, you know, contacting consumers and telemarketing because there are some very stringent laws out there. And some people think, well, I'm just, I only sell Avon or I only sell at works or I sell Mary Kay, so it doesn't apply to me. It absolutely applies to you if you are marketing on the telephone and those fines are pretty steep. So you just want to make sure that you're not, you know, calling a consumer. I definitely wouldn't do it every day. Um, I think a consumer, maybe once or twice a week, shoot them an email, maybe contact them on the phone but I would not be calling them every day. I don't think that that is a good idea at all. Um, so you have to approach it differently. So from a legal standpoint, that is something that you need to be well-versed on. Um, from a legal standpoint on the business side, there really isn't any. If they do ask you to put them on their do not call list, you need to respect that. Uh, but as far as the Federal Trade Commission, is there any type of laws that you would be violating at that point? Depending upon the state you're in, but most states 
and I think California is one of them that does kind of regulate that a little bit. But again, it really has to be kind of over the top, which most people aren't going to be doing, um, you know, where you're calling in like maybe every hour and you're disrupting their switchboard, um, which most people aren't going to be doing. That's more or less for somebody that has a dialer system and is really, you know, for some reason has their number in there multiple times. So from, you know, just, just know the laws, just be aware of it. Uh, the other thing is too, obviously with consumers, it is to me, in my opinion, it's always been much tougher to sell a consumer than it is to a business because the consumer, you're asking them for their money. And a business, you might be asking the VP of uh, finance, you know, for a check or, or to approve, you know, your payment voucher uh, to, you know, to become a vendor, but it's not actually their money. It's the company money. So it, it's a little bit different. So I find that those sales tend to be tougher. Um, usually if you're doing cold calling with consumers or with businesses, my suggestion always is, is to go at it for, from a lead generation standpoint to generate leads or to set appointments. Obviously, if you're setting appointments for a consumer, you might want to meet for coffee. I want to talk to you about the opportunity that we have, or I want to talk to you about this new product I'm selling, or I want to invite you to, uh, I don't know, um, a home party that I'm, I'm hosting. Um, so those are just a variety of, of different things that you might be trying to get them to do. And if they tell you you can't, I can't make it, you know, I always would recommend asking them, if you can't make this one, I might have another one in the future. Would you like me to let you know when that is? Now, if they say yes, okay, fine. You know, put that down. Make sure that you make notes of that. So the next time around that you have another event or party or something like that, you know that they want to be invited again. And, you know, always make sure that you're asking you know, set up that next step, that next expectation. Right. Can I contact you again? And if they say no, again, really respect that from a consumer standpoint because you don't. Um, I've seen some of the people who get in trouble, and you would be surprised at the fines that they get charged. You would be, I mean, it just, it, it amazes me um, on some of the stuff on the consumer side. We've been asked several times with our company, would you, you know, we're looking for someone to help us market business to consumer, and I, by all means, turn it down. I would never enter that market simply because of the red tape that you have to go through. Right. So definitely be careful with that. On the business side, um, you know, calling in, you know, again, making notes, go for an appointment. Um, if that's what you need to do, if you need to get in front of your prospect, go for an appointment or even, you know, hey, I want to set up, we're, we're doing a webinar. Um, can I do like an online virtual presentation for you? Set up a time that's convenient for them, but go to, for an appointment standpoint because that's the whole goal of cold calling is you want to get, start that initial process, getting in front of that prospect, let them meet you, whether it's online or in person, you know, it doesn't really matter, but setting up that next step. You can also use it from a lead generation standpoint, either way. Um, you know, you could let people know, hey, um, I have a, a new product that you all might be interested in. Can I email you some information about it? They're, they're either going to say yes or no. And, you know, if they say yes, get their email address and, you know, you can email it to them and then you have a reason to follow up with them and let them know. I'm going to email this to you and you can take a look at it. Let me know if you have any questions. If it's okay, I'm going to follow up with you in two days or I'm going to follow up with you next Tuesday, uh, you know, just to answer any questions you may have and, uh, you know, talk to you a little bit more about that. Would that be okay? So always, regardless of which way you go, always set up the next step.
always be setting up that next step because the whole process of it is, is that you need to get in front of that prospect, whether it's through email or a virtual presentation or an in-person uh, meeting. And, you know, again, even at that point, Adam, I would say a lot of people, their expectation is, oh, I'm going to get in front of them and I'm going to sell them and they're going to sign up and they're going to, and, you know, the reality is it, it's going to take more time than that. You know, it, it's very rare. I've seen it happen. I mean, you know, there's people that have, you've met with that, you know, you walk out of there with a check. But I think also, too, with the expectation of that's not always going to happen. Sometimes some companies, if you're dealing with businesses, it's going to take longer, you know, to get that uh, particular sale. You might have to meet with a few more people. You might have to complete vendor paperwork. You might have to, um, you know, get a final approval before, you know, all of this is said and done. So um, every company is different. Every prospect is going to be different. But, you know, you can really integrate the cold calling into, you know, getting in front of some of those people that you would normally see on social media or the, the types of people who are not going to be out at the networking functions. Right. I think it's also important to think about here that, uh, you know, this is one of those things that chances are the first time you call them, they may not be just sitting there saying, hey, I want to spend money today. Exactly. I mean, I mean, I mean, exactly. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm the type of person. If you get through to me and you ask me for money, I'll just give it to you. You know, no due diligence or anything like that. Except I don't answer the phone. <laughs> so we have that little small problem: is that what you're specifying to happen is absolutely impossible? Because unless I know you and I'm expecting you, or you've already given me a ton of money, the chances of me answering the call live for you don't exist. And I think that's something that a lot of people. Uh, find very challenging when it comes to cold calling is, I mean, look at the statistics on this. You have, I mean, there's no one hard number on it, but uh, the industry average is considered to be about 5 to 10% of any phone call made into a business gets answered live. And if you want to look at it uh, from business to consumer, not only do most people not answer their phones, they also don't check their voicemail. They screen it by caller ID, and if they recognize the number, they call back and say, what do you want? Mm -hmm. Well, and I would say I would disagree a little bit with the statistics on business to business because we primarily focus on that. And I will tell you for every 10 calls that are made, we get, we probably have maybe one or two that are answered by a um, an automated type system, but we can still get, you know, someone on the phone. But I will say the most difficult part is getting that decision maker on the phone. And it's not so much about a gatekeeper per se, right. um, you know, for most of these businesses, it's just a matter of getting that decision maker on the phone when they have some time to talk. One of the tips that I always give people too, and I use it myself, is that you know when you're calling into a company, be respectful of the other person's time. And you, know, one of the things that we always say um, in our scripts, you know, that we have for the people that work with us, is that you know, hey, uh, you know, this is uh, Carrie calling with you know Family Heritage or whatever you know whatever company you're representing. Um, you know, did I catch you at a good time? Is, you know, is now an okay time to talk? You know, did I catch you at a good time? Is always a good line. And let them respond. And if they, and usually nine times out of 10, they'll tell you, yeah, it's fine. I have a few minutes. And I'm like, okay, great. I'm going to be really brief. And then we just kind of go into the reason that we're calling. Um, and sometimes they will say, hey, you know, honestly, we're in the middle of an audit and, or I'm just getting ready to walk out the door. Can you call me back tomorrow? 
okay, no problem, and call back tomorrow. Um, but just be respectful of their time. And I find that when you do that, when you do call back in, they typically remember you, and, and they're more apt to have a quick conversation. But again, it's just really according to what you're trying to accomplish. I think too many people, when they approach cold calling, they're going for a very hard sell. They're trying to get you to listen and do a presentation with them right then and there, and that does not work. It absolutely does not work. Um, so it really, it really just depends on how you know you're approaching that. Um, this still works. I mean, we have you know tons of companies that we work with, and you know we are able to produce better numbers than a lot of their advertising campaigns and social media campaigns. So it you know you just have to you know set up your expectations and kind of go from there. There, you said something that I was really hoping to bring out. So I'm glad you said it. Is that folks sometimes have this vision that they're going to do cold calling and they're going to make that call and then uh, the person's going to answer the phone and they're going to say, oh my lord, I just got a cold call from a salesperson. And then you see it like in the movies, they, they literally take their entire arm and take everything that's on their desk and just push it onto the floor because they're clearing their <laughs> plate and they just want to hear what this person has to say. And they, and, and, they, and, they, and they summon their assistants in from the other office, you know, they push the buzzer and then, they, you know, and while you're making your pitch, they're sitting there, you know, saying with their lips to their assistant saying, hold my calls. Mm -hmm. It doesn't quite happen yeah. that way. Uh, what I wanted to, I'm, I'm really glad you said this, is that in many cases when it comes to cold calling, uh, there's going to be more than one call you have with that person. That first time you make that live connection is in many cases, as you described, simply laying the groundwork for the actual conversation, which is to come. Absolutely. And I would also say the flip side of that, too, is with the expectations, and, and it goes back to fear uh, with cold calling. And, and there are, you'd be surprised at how many sales reps that we encompass that do not want to do cold calling. I mean, they want to go out there, they want, they want the appointments, but they don't want to do the cold calling. And I find when they're, when they're counseled, it is because there is a fear much like what we've talked about before, that they think, oh, I'm going to call in, I'm going to get yelled at, or, you know, Jaws is going to reach through the phone and, and bite my head off and, and, you know, and take my ear off and I'm going to have to go to the hospital. And the reality is, I will tell you from a business-to-business -business standpoint, I've had one person, I, and I can count on one hand, again, one person that was – what I would have considered rude, but this person wasn't really rude. They were, you know, they were kind of yelling a little bit, but it was just kind of like this, I cannot do this right now. And they just had something else going on. And they just said, please don't call us back. And I'm like, okay, fine. And we moved on. Most people think, oh, you know, I'm going to get yelled at or screamed at or, you know, and it's honestly, the chances of that happening, it is very, very, very rare. Even on the consumer side, it's if you're doing this correctly, and I guess that's a key phrase here, doing it correctly, um, you're not going to have that happen. Now, you might have somebody that hangs up on you, but so what? They hung up on you. Move on to the next person. You know, just mark their name out or whatever. But it's just kind of, you know, again, it's expectations. They're thinking one thing is going to happen, and that's just not the reality of it, if, you know, if that makes sense. You know, I used to have fun with people who cold called me. Um, I, I I would like watch skits online, or I'd get scripts and I'd go through it. And there was this one I used to do where I pretended like I was a police detective investigating the scene of a crime, and then I turn around and I start interrogating the person calling me, making clear that they're a subject in my investigation, just to have fun with them. Mm-hmm. 
But, you know, ha, 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 that's, the chances are you're very rarely going to find somebody that does that. I mean, we see all these things on YouTube, uh, you know, epic pranks on telemarketers, epic pranks on cold callers. Mm -hmm. But uh, one of three things I think is going to happen. They're they're not going to answer to begin with. They're going to politely tell you no thanks or you're going to make a sale. Yeah. Well, and I will tell you, too, and I've seen um, seen one of those um, videos, and it may have been on YouTube, but it's the funniest video I've ever seen. Yeah. I actually started crying. I was laughing so hard. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was actually, it was two guys in an office that were making up their own hold music. They, they told this girl they were putting her on hold, and, and they're playing, like, really <laughs> badly, mind you a flute and something else where, and there's, and then they started singing and then they're trying to sell her the CD that they, you know, they're like, we made this CD. Do you want to buy it? And I thought, why can't any, it's, it's actually the cold calling stuff. It, it is actually very low key. It can be very boring at times. I always have smooth jazz playing in the background. Cause I'm just like, Oh, okay. You know, cause I still get on the phone. I actually enjoy being on the phone, but I, after I watched that video, I thought, why can't anything like that ever happen to me? Why don't I, Anybody like right. that. But it it's it really is it's kind of it's just it's it's kind of it's a little bit mundane and I shouldn't say that, but it is. I mean but it has to be done. You you just kind of filter through your list and and start calling and, and tracking your numbers and uh, you go from there. But yeah, it's it, just the chances of that happening. It is it is very rare. And like I said, I've been doing this a long time and for you know several different clients and. I just I haven't had anything that funny or that interesting happen. I wish I did, but because it would be a great story to tell. But I just don't. I don't have anything like that to share. Yeah, I'm, and I'm sorry to hear that too because it'd be nice if you had. I know. I should have called you, Adam. <laughs> yeah, I don't have that script anymore, so I'd have to rehearse it. But maybe oh. sometime we can do that just for a training tool for uh, your organization. I'd be happy to help you with that. Uh, so, uh, all right. So, how can which you call listeners, use cold calling in a most effective way? Um, I would go back to what I said before. You know, figure out what is going to be best for you. Figure out what your goal is going to be. And I would tell people, whether it's business to consumer or business to business, it needs to either be appointment setting uh, to meet them in person or to do a virtual presentation or, you know, inviting them to an online event, something of that nature, or lead generation, you know, so you can start building up that prospect list of your own. But I would definitely say a big no-no to saying, hey, I'm going to call people and try to sell them over the phone. That just, it, it just doesn't work. Right, right, right. So for creating a cold calling system, at the beginning of the, the hour here, you shared with us some of your follow-up systems with the color-coded notepads and everything else, which I thought was really cool. Uh, what are some mm-hmm. tips for creating a cold calling system? Okay. First and foremost, again, going back to it, you've got to figure out what your goal is. You need to sit down, look at your product, look at your service, or if it's an opportunity that you're selling, let's say you're in direct sales, figure out what your goal is. Um, you know, if it's something that you're an insurance agent and you, obviously you need to increase your business, that's the, that's the ultimate goal. But figuring out how you're going to use cold calling most effectively. So if you're an insurance agent, obviously you need to get in front of more prospects within your area. So you need to figure out, okay, I want to get, um, I have a lead list of 100 people here. I want to get 10 or 15 appointments out of this list. So that's your goal. 
you want to uh, get 10 to 15 appointments, and I'm just going to kind of use this as an example as I'm going through these, uh, these steps. So the second thing that you want to do once you've figured out what your goal is, you need to create your script. I've been doing this for many years. I teach other people how to do this. I still, to this day, use a script. And the reason you want to always have a script in front of you, I don't care how well you know your product or service, people can throw you off on the telephone. And what I mean by that is you might call into a company, uh, you know, thanks for calling Johnson & Johnson, please hold. And you're, you know, you hear the hold music for, you know, maybe a minute. And then you're sitting there, that your mind's kind of wandering about, I got to do laundry tonight, or I have, you know, I have something else I have to do. Boom, all of a sudden, how can I help you, Johnson & Johnson? You know, and it, you need something to kind of pull you back. Um, same thing can happen when you get a prospect on the phone. They, you know, sometimes, and I've had it happen myself, where you, you have the decision makers on the phone and they start asking you all kinds of questions, which is a good thing, you know, because that, that's indicating, a, you know, buying signals that there is some kind of interest on their part. But if they start asking you all sorts of questions and they're bouncing around all over the place and then they're done with their questions and then you're lost. So having a script it gives you something to refer back to. And even for as long as I've been doing this, I've had that happen before. And thankfully, I had my script in front of me, so I knew exactly where I needed to go back to. The reason I'm calling is blah, blah, blah. So always create a script. And it doesn't have to be something elaborate. Doesn't, definitely don't make it long. I would say no more than one and a half paragraphs at the most. So keep it short. Um, and get you know make sure if, if your goal is to set an appointment, you know, let them know, uh, you know, my name's Carrie, I'm calling with whatever company, um, you know, we provide uh, benefits for employees and their families, and, you know, based on everything that's going on today's insurance market, uh, we're reaching out to different business owners. The reason I'm calling you today is I wanted to see if you had, you know, 15, 20 minutes on your schedule over the next few weeks. I'd love to come by, introduce myself. Uh, give you some information about our products and just talk with you a little bit about what we do to see if it might be a good fit for you and for your employees. And then just shut up. Let them, let them take it from there. Um, you don't need to say anything else. It, and don't be afraid of silence on the phone. So, you know, you can even put that in your script. Silence is a good thing. Let them respond to you because they could be sitting there thinking about it going, huh, maybe we should take this meeting, maybe we shouldn't. Um, you know, they might be thinking about, uh, they might have a bad relationship with their current provider. You never know. So always, you know, let them answer first. So having a script is going to help you a lot. The third thing I would tell people to do is to track your numbers. You can do that manually. Take a piece of scrap paper and just, you know, make those little marks across the, you know, across the page and keep track of how many times you're dialing. Um, whether it's a manual dialing or if you're, you know, if you have a, a headset and your own dialer system for some reason, always keep track of your numbers because your numbers will tell you everything you need to know at the end of the day. Correct. So keeping track of your numbers is vital. What I do is every day I keep track of those for if I'm working on a specific client from three to five, I will keep track of my numbers. And what happens is it'll tell you from once five o'clock comes, Look at your numbers, add, add them up, you know, and usually within a three-hour time period, you should be at at least 90 dials. You know, you should have dialed, dialed 90 numbers during that time, even if you spoke to people. So your numbers need to be at that, at that rate to really be effective. 
And then right below that, I always keep track of how many decision makers I spoke with. And then on the right. other side of that, I keep track of what happened. Was an appointment set? Were they not interested? Was it call me back later or email me, you know, email me information. So keeping track of those four things. And again, I just put like a little mark, you know, for each one. So typically for every 100 calls you make, and I kind of went back and, and did some math with some of the numbers that we're tracking. Um, for every 100 calls that you make, you should be getting anywhere from 10 up to 20 decision makers on the phone. And out of that, you should be getting, I would say, one to two appointments if you're tracking appointments. So that way you know for every 100 phone calls you make, you're able to set two appointments. So if it took you three hours to do those 100 calls, then you know if you want to have four appointments, you need to spend six hours on the phone, three in the morning, three in the afternoon, however you want to break it up. So it really gives you an idea of what your numbers are. So tracking your numbers is vital. Uh, the next thing I would tell you to do is to tweak your system until it's a right fit for you. And then to follow it, you know, continue to do that system. If it's working and it's producing the numbers you need, there's no reason to fix it anymore. You just need to continue to follow it and, and do the work. But tweaking your system, and what I mean by that is, is that, you know, do you need more leads? Are you not calling enough people? Some people will tell me, well, I, you know, I, I made calls this morning and I couldn't get anybody on the phone. Well, how many calls did you make? I don't know. Go back and count. They'll call, you know, they'll call back and say, oh, well, I made 25 calls. Well, that's nothing. You should be doing that in an hour. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just, so, you know, that's to give you an idea of what's really effective and you will build up momentum. If you stay on the phone at least one hour, you know, let's just say you did it for three hours. That first hour, you really start to build up momentum. And you're really starting to get people on the phone and, and you're keeping track of your numbers. But, you know, do it in a, a three-hour block. Um, I wouldn't go any less than that because you really don't see too much out of it. You know, if you're not making at least 100 dials, it's just not really worth it. You know, some people think with cold calling, oh, well, I made 12 phone calls. Well, that's great. Uh, you know, that's not really cold calling. That's just not it. So track your numbers and, you know, again, tweak that system. You know, you might need to tweak your script a little bit, something that you're more comfortable with, you know, saying in your own voice. Um, if somebody else wrote it for you or you found it on the Internet, tweak it until you feel, because you've got to feel comfortable. You need to be comfortable on the phone because it's just like meeting someone in person. People pick up on fear. They know when you're not comfortable with what you're doing. And if you're not comfortable with it, why would they be comfortable with setting an appointment or have, giving you their email address? They're not going to do it. Right. Um, some quick tips too, just on cold calling um, with businesses, I find some of the best times to get the decision makers on the phone is between the hours of 8 and 9 and also during lunchtime between 12 and 1 and then also between 4.30 and 5.30, you know, after the office is closed down. Uh, simply because most of those people, if you're trying to get a hold of that have the gatekeepers, you got to get past the receptionist, then you got to get past their assistant. Those people have gone home. They left at five o'clock. They're not there. But nine times out of ten, that business owner or CEO, they're still there, and they do pick up their phone. Yeah, that's what we need to think about. Uh, while everybody else is working nine to five, the cold calling often happens off those hours. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, you know, business to business. And obviously, you know, from a standpoint of, you know, the consumer, you know, again, you still need to follow those steps. Um, the only difference is, is obviously the amount of calls 
are going to be way less. You know, so you know, if you're calling consumers, you really do need to have a lot of leads to call, a lot of different people to call. Um, and if there's any way that if you do sell to consumers that you can switch it over to the business side, it does make things easier, you know, in the aspect of cold calling. Right, 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 right. Um, so what are some ideas to generate leads? Because now that we have this beautiful system for cold calling, we've got to find people to call. Well, there's a couple of different things that people can do. Um, you want to definitely start making your own list. And again, you can you know, do that while you're creating your own system. You know, get a little fat book from the dollar store. People that you meet at uh, networking events, you, know, you have their information. So you're already starting to kind of compile your own list. If you look through you know, the business cards that you've collected or people that have been referred to you, you can start making your own list there. Um, asking other people for referrals as well is, is always a great way too if you know some people. Hey, do you know a couple of people that might be interested? You know, um, sometimes people will do this. Hey, if you can refer me, give me five names and numbers of people that you know that might be interested, I'll give you a free oven mitt or free whatever, um, you know, or free product, uh, you know, for doing that. So you could always do that and get referrals that way to start building your list. Um, you can also buy lead lists online. Um, you know, and again, I'm, I'm kind of talking a little bit more about the consumers now too. You're able to buy lists, but again, always make sure that they're not on the do not call list if it's somebody that you don't know. Um, if you're building it from a consumer standpoint, it's always best to ask for referrals, getting, you know, getting those people. Um, another way that you can build lead lists now too is you know, through your social media outlets. The people that you're connected with on Facebook that are making friends with you, uh, you could reach out to them and, you know, start, hey, I have an opportunity. I would love to send you some information. Can I get your email address? Can I follow up, you know, with a phone call? And, you know, usually if you can start that conversation, if they're interested, they'll, you know, they will give you their information. So you can also get some really good leads from social media as well. On the business side, um, you know, you can definitely buy lead lists online uh, from a variety of different sources. You don't have to pay a lot of money for them. Um, you could also get them from different sites such as, um, you know, Lead411. For businesses, that is a great lead referral site uh, that you can get uh, leads from that you don't really have to pay for. You can just go on there and do a quick search. You can buy lead lists from them at a very reasonable rate. Manta.com is another great uh, source for businesses as well. Um, you know, so those are just some different places that you can go to and start compiling lead lists. But I would say try to get, you know, once you get to 50 or 100, you know, that's that's enough. You can start calling. And, you know, don't wait until you have a 1,000 leads. Start calling today. Don't put it off because you feel like you need to have more leads. And then when you do get leads, you know, definitely don't put off the whole calling thing. I see a lot of people who do that. They're excited. They have a lead list of 500 people. How's that going? Well, I haven't called anybody yet. And, you know, again, that fear kicks in because they're afraid of, they're just afraid of calling. You know, people are very afraid of the telephone. And, you know, the telephone is your friend. It, it's, it's kind of like, like, I think people in Mary Kay say this, but it's the door to your store. And, you know, you need to, you need to start utilizing it. Right. I agree. You, you got my buy-in on that. So, uh, what are some of the online resources you can use to find the leads? Because um, you've given me some great suggestions, uh, such as even some of the lists you can buy and some of the ways you acquire them through networking. 
Mm-hmm. Well, again, going back to Lead 411, you can, um, you can buy leads from them, but you don't have to. Like you can go on there. What I tell people too is if you have a lead list, and let's just say it's one of those people that weren't interested, um, and you called back in, and that person's not there anymore, you can actually go to Lead 411. If you can't find out from the receptionist who took their place, you can go to Lead 411, type in the company name, and it'll pull up most of the time, depending upon how big the company is, all the contacts that they have and, and what they do there. And they're constantly, you know, updating their information. So you're able to do specific searches, uh, you know, for leads. You can't do it all the time. I think they cap you out at like four or five a day. But you would be able to get a new contact name. Um, or if you don't have a contact name at all, if you're calling into like some of the Fortune 500 companies, if you don't have a, a current contact, you're not getting anywhere. You know, that's just what the, the switchboard will tell you. So you're able to go on there and you can find different contact names and, you know, get their title and maybe even sometimes get their email. But you're able to at least be able to get that contact name. And again, Manta.com, and I would suggest anybody that has a business, you can go on there, you can create a free profile. We're on there too. And, you know, that way if people are searching for specific uh services or products in your area, your information will come up. Um, but it is a great way to learn more about specific companies and find contact names and find contact information. And you can do searches on their site, I think specifically by geographical area. Um, you know, you're able to do different searches because it's just kind of like a huge online business company database that people can use. So that's a great resource as well. And, uh, you know, Something too that if you again you're missing a contact name or you need a new contact name, you can go on one of those two sites and find a, a new contact to ask for, um, you know, within a certain company. Um, some of the other online membership, and I would say too, this is also good for people who do business to consumer sales. Um, some of the other online membership sites, such as like Savor the Success, uh, which is a, a big women's website, um, there's you can actually go on there and, and do little searches, you know, if you're looking for a coach or something like that. And you can find, you know, people's information on there. And, you know, they don't really publicize the phone numbers, but you can go on there and, and click on the person's website and get their phone number from there if that's the type of client that you're looking for. Um, same thing, you know, with our what we do with our Strictly Women in Marketing, you know, we have a searchable database for our members. So, you know, you can go online and find several different websites that are online membership websites that are like that, you know, to look for specific, and, and I find those are more entrepreneurs or, or people who are coaches or they just kind of work independently. And, you know, sometimes those are the types of contacts that people want to get in touch with. That's a good lead for them. Um, and especially in the consumer side, um, you know, if you are selling to consumers. And that's always a good segue to get into it uh, because I find with consumers, it's easier to kind of, you know, maybe call that. Maybe if you're in, I don't know, let's just say you do uh, Shackley or Body by V or, or, you know, some type of weight loss product. Right. You could go on some of those uh, websites and do some searches for maybe personal trainers. Because obviously a personal trainer, that would be a great addition to your team because their clients could use the products. And if they don't want to sign up to sell, maybe they can recommend, you know, the product. You can send them some samples. They can recommend the product in your website if they want to order, you know, to their clients. So 
if there's any way that you can kind of twist it a little bit, you know, think outside the box about how can I take it from business to consumer to business to business, because I think it's always easier in that regard to get in front of a group of people, you know, um, maybe somebody who has a fitness center or, you know, you could do searches for people who have a fitness center and get in touch with those types of people. So just think outside the box a little, a little bit about how you can go about that. Um, you know, what are some other things, consumer-based sales that I'm not thinking about besides direct sales? Let's say, um, I don't know, uh, maybe even a clothing store would be a good one or, or a consignment shop. You know, you could, you know, you're looking for leads. You want people to come into your store. Um, you know, you can definitely do things through social media, but, uh, you know, a great thing for someone like that, you know, if you have a clothing store, uh, you know, and that's another good thing too. They could reach out to these fitness centers, these personal trainers, because if people are looking to lose weight, they're going to, if they accomplish their goal, they need new clothes. Um, so you would be able to maybe, you know, partner with them uh, in some way, you know, make it mutually beneficial. Um, right. You know, so there's just, there's a lot of different ways. You just have to kind of sit down and think about what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish and make a plan from there. Does that make sense? Right, absolutely. So at this point, you know, we are actually right at the top of the hour, and I think that's a perfect place for us to break off. Cause oh, it gives, good. Because okay. it, gives, it gives our folks uh, something to think about in terms of how they're going to structure and how they're going to move forward, some of the thought processes that go into this. And I always like to leave people at an action point whenever possible. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad that we didn't run out of time this time. <laughs> no, no. Well, we just barely made it. Um, I'll give you one minute here. Uh, just tell our audience who uh, may be thinking of this cold calling thing a little bit differently now, how they can go about getting started and how you can help. Uh, well, definitely if they, uh, you know, getting started, hopefully they can use the tips that we have provided. Um, you know, we do have a website for cold calling and it's uh, called Appointment setting by knockoutmarketing.com. Right. And uh, they can go to that website. If you don't, if you absolutely do not want to do your cold calling for your business, you know, if you're strictly business to business, we can help you and we can take that off your hands. Um, but if not, you know, we do have some information, resources, and a blog, you know, just different posts that we put on there to help people who want to do their own cold calling. Fantastic. So once again, uh, this has been. Uh, Carrie Heaps of StrictlyMarketingMagazine.com. Thank you for joining us again. It's been an honor and once again an education. Well, thank you again for having me, Adam. It's always a pleasure to be on the show. Likewise. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.BusinessCreatorsRadioShow.com where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, 